Today is March 25th, 2021, and this is episode number 45 of Blurred Laws and Life with me, your host, Richard Bush. Last week we were dark because I had a major court filing due on Monday the 18th, and we had been working all week and into the weekend and all day and night leading up to that. Um, that is in the case of Artie versus Marshmallow, a copyright infringement case involving the song by Bastille and Marshmallow, Happier. There are a lot of interesting issues involved in that case that we are currently briefing, and we are in the middle of that litigation. Before we move on to episode number 45 of Blurred Laws in Life, and this episode of Blurred Laws in Life will be dedicated to a recent Court of Appeals decision that I just won involving my client, Jillian Michaels, and her company, Empowered Media, which actually reversed the Superior Court's decision dismissing the matter on the grounds that, according to the judge in the Superior Court, we could not establish damages. The Court of Appeals just this past week reversed that decision, and there are some interesting issues involved in this decision and this litigation that most people would not know about. So I thought I would parse through the Court of Appeals decision in this episode of Blurred Laws in Life. But again, before we get to uh, my discussion of this Court of Appeals decision in the Jillian Michaels matter, Empowered Media, her company, I want to mention on a sad note, but somewhat timely for purposes of Blurred Laws in Life, on episode number 43 of Blurred Laws in Life, as you all will recall, we had Glenn Schweitzer and Scott Schreer on to talk about the debilitating disease that afflicts musicians and others, tinnitus. And I am sad to report that in the news this past week came word that the founder and owner of the Texas Roadhouse chain of restaurants committed suicide. As a result, it appears to a severe case of tinnitus, which appears perhaps to have been brought about by COVID-related symptoms. And apparently it may have become so severe that he could not take it and took his own life. Tragic news. But it, of course, underscores how serious this disease is. And I heard from both Scott and Glenn that since... They appeared on episode number 43 of Blurred Laws in Life. More than 40 people have reached out to Glenn to seek help with tinnitus. So that is amazing that people now have found hope and an outlet for this terrible affliction. Um, I, For whatever small part I played in bringing this to their attention and bring Glenn to their attention. At least I take some happiness and comfort in that. And I hope that everyone who has 
reached out to Glenn and, and others can seek help for what they are suffering through. So I did want to mention that the terrible news about the owner of the Texas Roadhouse chain of restaurants apparently committing suicide due, it seems, at least the report seemed to indicate, as a result of a terrible case of tinnitus that appears perhaps to have been brought on by COVID-related symptoms. And I also wanted to mention that I've heard from Glenn and the outpouring of people who have come to him for treatment since we did discuss tinnitus and his methods on episode number 43 of Blurred Laws in Life. So with that, both tragic and perhaps somewhat hopeful news for those who reached out to Glenn, let's now turn to episode number 45 of Blurred Laws in Life. There have been so many different court cases in the news and potential court cases in the news over the past several weeks that could be ripe for a discussion on blurred laws in life. For example, in the George Floyd murder trial that has just begun, the Court of Appeals reinstated a charge that is available to the jury of third-degree murder or manslaughter, which carries a much less penalty than a second-degree murder charge, which is also at issue in the George Floyd case. And the reason why the third-degree murder charge is so controversial is because it generally applies to a situation where a person acts without intent, but causes the death of another by, and this is from the statute, perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind without regard for human life. What that might apply to, or most usually applies to, is things like drug distribution, where someone is involved in a drug deal that is incredibly dangerous to others, and someone as part of that drug deal is killed, well, that person can be charged under Minnesota law with third-degree murder, the person who's involved in distributing the drugs, even though they had no intent to kill anybody. Here, it's questionable what or how that would apply unless the jury were to find that the police officer did not act with any intent to kill Mr. Floyd whatsoever, but nonetheless perpetrated an act so eminently dangerous to others, which would be putting his knee on his neck, and that it evinced a depraved mind. That's going to be really difficult, I think, to reach because is the placing of the knee on the neck of Mr. Floyd something that is taught by the police force? I'm betting that the police officer who is charged with this murder is going to say that is what is taught. That might be his defense. And this third degree murder charge just seems like putting a square peg in a round hole to me. The Police Officers Act, while it may very well be murder, 
I don't see how it can be third-degree murder. It seems to me that that might be letting the jury off the hook from having to find second-degree murder, which contains a much harsher sentence. But we will see. We will see how that turns out. But that is an issue that is going on right now. This was subject to much debate in the news and in judicial circles, and I wanted to bring that to your attention on Blurred Laws in Life. In addition to the George Floyd case um, going on right now, of course, I'm sure everyone has heard about the 23, and I have heard it may be as many as 26 civil lawsuits that have been filed now or will be filed against Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Houston Texans NFL football team, for various acts during various massages that he solicited by going onto Instagram and recruiting um, female massage therapists to come to his home to give him massages. We will see how all this plays out, but 26, literally 26 lawsuits have been now filed against Mr. Watson. The allegations range from suggestive comments to horrific allegations of very bad behavior. This will obviously be front and center in the news as these allegations develop. The defense has portrayed this as a money grab and have suggested that the lawyer representing these plaintiffs have ties to the owner of the Houston Texans. And just before this news or these lawsuits were filed, Deshaun Watson was very public about refusing to play for the Houston Texans. And there's been the suggestion that that may be behind some of this, but uh, I don't think that holds much water any longer after 26 lawsuits have now been filed. Also in the news this past week was the continued grilling by politicians of social media executives, Jack Dorsey from Twitter, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook and others, as part of the possible repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which provides a legal shield to internet service providers over content that is posted on their sites. Again, we've discussed this at length on Blurred Laws in Life. We've discussed the law of unintended consequences if Section 230 is repealed, and my view that a lot of this is political grandstanding. They literally, the Congress men and women literally were blaming Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey for the insurrection at Capitol Hill as if they were to blame because social media was used to galvanize those people to descend upon Washington, D.C. So I guess if this was done over the telephone or by Morse code or through newspapers or through pamphlets, those people who make those means of communication available would be to blame. It's ridiculous. It's just political grandstanding. I don't think Section 203 is in real jeopardy because of the problems that would result. We have a free internet with people being able to express their views as part of the First Amendment, and I just don't see 
government restricting or repealing Section 203 of the Communications Decency Act. But this is far from over because as long as there is an issue and someone that can be blamed, especially if it's someone involved in business and politicians are involved, you know that there will be finger pointing and blame being levied. It's part of our social fabric now to start pointing the finger and blaming people for conduct that they didn't perpetrate, but who make a good target. Also in the news this week, Sidney Powell, the Republican lawyer who was filing the lawsuits in support of overturning the election and who was sued by the Dominion Voting Machine Company for $1.6 billion, together with Rudy Giuliani, moved to dismiss the Dominion lawsuit by claiming, get this, that no reasonable person would have believed the statements she was making about Dominion having ties to the Venezuelan government and the fact that Dominion machines were programmed to change the votes of the citizens of the United States of America. Yes, she moved to dismiss on the grounds that those statements would not be reasonably believed by any sane person. I wonder how those people who descended on Capitol Hill would feel about Sidney Powell's defense, and I put defense in quotes. We will see how the court rules on that, but I have a feeling that that motion will be denied. In addition to the lawsuits filed against Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani by Dominion, they have also now sued Fox News for similar false statements being made, alleged false statements being made against them. And they have said they have not ruled out suing Donald Trump. And lastly, before we get to the main case I'm going to discuss on today's episode of Blurred Laws and Life, Florida's governor has threatened a lawsuit if the CDC does not enable U.S. cruises to resume by the summer. There was a ruling by the CDC that cruises in the United States could not resume until November or December of 2021, and the Florida governor has threatened to sue them if they do not allow cruises to begin by June or July. So we'll see if that happens, but obviously there is a tension right now going on in this country with those who are moving to reopen everything as quickly as possible versus those who say, not so fast, we're not through the woods just yet. But we will see what happens in that regard as well. that spin around the globe as far as legal cases are concerned, it's now time to get to a decision that was just handed down by the Court of Appeals this week in a case in which I am representing Jillian Michaels and Empowered Media. And um, I thought I would discuss the case with you as far as the ruling is concerned. I'm going to focus just on the ruling, not discuss any of the merits of the case. 
because this is an ongoing case and I don't feel it appropriate to discuss uh, much beyond just generally setting up the allegations for you so that I can discuss the decision by the Court of Appeals, which I think you'll find quite interesting. So let's now get on with the case of, or a discussion, I should say, of the case of Empowered Media versus Greenberg Trorick. As I mentioned, I represent Jillian Michaels and Empowered Media. Jillian Michaels, as many of you may know, appeared on the television show The Biggest Loser for many years. In 2009, her contract was up for renewal to enter into a new deal. And at that same time, she was also negotiating a separate deal with a company by the name of ThinCare to serve as a spokesman and to develop nutraceutical products and to advertise those products. It is alleged in the case that the biggest loser agreement that was entered into just a few days before the ThinCare agreement was entered into contained certain restrictions on Ms. Michael's ability to promote products and to appear on commercials or infomercials concerning other products. And it is alleged that the thin care agreement that Ms. Michaels entered into in 2009, just several days after the Biggest Loser deal was entered into, contained warranties and representations that stated that there were no restrictions that would prohibit or prevent Ms. Michaels from doing all the things she was agreeing to do as part of the thin care agreement. And the lawyer, it is alleged, representing Ms. Michaels, did not advise her of the representations and warranties that she was making that there were no restrictions on her ability to fulfill her duties for thin care. To make a very long story short, after a period of time, ThinCare became aware of those restrictions and ended up bringing a lawsuit against Ms. Michaels regarding that, and that matter was resolved, and Ms. Michaels then turned around and sued, and I'm representing Ms. Michaels in this litigation, the law firm and the lawyer involved for various causes of action, including malpractice and breach of fiduciary duty. The Superior Court in the case dismissed the case initially, finding that there was no evidence in the record that Ms. Michaels actually was damaged by the conduct of the lawyer and the law firm. We appealed that decision, and just this past week, the Court of Appeals in California reversed that decision. Proving damages in litigation is sometimes not that easy because in many cases what you are doing, especially in cases where you are trying to recreate what would have happened but for the conduct of the defendants, you are necessarily engaging in at least some speculation because you're creating an alternate universe 
where the facts are different. So, for example, I also represented Jillian and Empowered Media in another lawsuit, as I mentioned on a previous episode of Blurred Laws in Life, and actually went through the case in that episode of Blurred Laws in Life against Lionsgate, where Jillian created videos for Lionsgate, and they ended up creating what was called the BeFit YouTube channel and putting the majority of those videos on the BeFit YouTube platform that could be accessed free of charge by the consuming public at any time. And we allege that that destroyed the market or substantially hurt the market for the very same DVDs that were being sold at the time and that this constituted breach of contract and frustration of purpose. And we won the case. And part of our damage analysis was having to express what would have happened but for the placement of those videos on YouTube, that the consuming public would have continued to purchase the videos and that we needed to come up with a number, a damage calculation that would put Jillian back in the same position she would have been but for the placement of those videos on YouTube. So the defendants in that case argued that it was too speculative, that we don't know what the consuming public would do, that we didn't do a poll to ask people, well, would you have bought these videos, continue to buy these videos if they were not placed on YouTube? But our expert came up with what is called the before and after method of calculating damages. Um, he didn't come up with it, I should say. It's an accepted methodology in damage calculations. There's also the yardstick method and the modified yardstick, and he applied those principles to his damage calculation to come up with a number to show what her royalties and what her sales would have been but for the placement on YouTube of those videos. He took the numbers that existed before and he took the numbers that existed after and he um, came up with his methodology or he applied the before and after method, I believe, or the modified yardstick method, it's called, and came up with a damage calculation. And in that case, the arbitrator accepted that as the damages and we were successful, not only in winning the case for breach of contract, but also for obtaining uh, more than, I believe, $5 million in damages from the placement of Miss Michael's videos on YouTube. So here, a similar methodology needed to be applied. So in a legal malpractice case, you need to show two things. You need to show, obviously, causation. And in transactional malpractice allegations, a case involving um, allegations of transactional malpractice, there is what's called the no deal and better deal scenario. And so starting with that, what we need to present evidence of, because this case has not gone to trial yet, so these are just allegations in the case as they exist now. Um, there's been no trial. As I said, the matter was dismissed at the summary judgment stage on papers because the Defendants argued that we had not shown damages or causation, and the lower court, the superior court, found that um, we had not presented any evidence that 
Ms. Michaels suffered damage, and we, we appealed that. So the Court of Appeals addressed first the issue of causation. And as I said, in a case involving allegations of transactional malpractice, where there are contracts, you need to show that, or one way to show causation is to show that but for the transactional, the allegation of transactional malpractice, the client would have entered into a better deal or no deal, in which case she would have been or he would have been better off. So in this case, the Court of Appeals said that we both, both sides addressed this better deal or no deal scenario, but they said that that's just another way to say, but for the allegation of transactional malpractice, there would not have been harm. And the evidence that we supplied was that um, Ms. Michaels was dissatisfied with The Biggest Loser, the amount of money she was making, and this thin care deal brought with it much greater uh, remuneration, much greater money, and that had she known that there was this conflict in the restrictions versus the warranties and representations that were made in the thin care deal, that she would not have entered into the Biggest Loser deal and would have entered into the thin care deal. And the Court of Appeals said that was sufficient to establish this causal connection under this but-for or better deal scenario. And then moving on to the damage analysis in this case, applying that very similar before and after method, our economic experts set out the amount of money and royalties and other remuneration Miss Michaels would have received, but for the lawsuit that FinCare filed against Miss Michaels for allegedly violating her warranty and representations as a result of the conflict with the Biggest Loser Agreement. And our expert using that methodology, that same before and after method, with the before period being the amount of sales and royalties Miss Michaels received while she was promoting the products uh, prior to the thin care lawsuit that she did suffer damages and that they were in the many, many, many millions of dollars. And the Court of Appeals, looking at all the evidence and looking at the testimony in the record, concluded that the Superior Court did abuse its discretion when it dismissed the case on the grounds that Ms. Michaels had not set forth evidence of damages. So now the case goes back to the Superior Court for a full trial on the merits as soon as the court will impanel a jury in these COVID times. It may not be very soon, but the case will now proceed and go on to trial. So it's just a lesson that in litigation, it is not just trying to prove liability, but there are very complicated issues um, involving damages and other issues that all are important as part of a case. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode number 45 of Blurred Laws and Life and this tour around the legal landscape and the different cases that have been in the news over the past week or two. 
Um, I'm sure many of these will require follow-up. I'm sure there'll be new cases developing and decisions on the cases that are pending. And we will bring it all to you on Blurred Laws in Life. So I hope everyone has a very good week. I hope you've had a good couple of weeks. And I'll look forward to speaking to you again next week. And please don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page where we now have 233 followers on the Blurred Laws in Life Instagram page. And take care and I'll talk to you all again next week on Blurred Laws and Life.